Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Intercooler podcast. And we're doing it properly this time. For only the third time in a year, Andrew, yeah. we're doing a podcast in person. Yes. Um, we're also filming this one properly, so it should look great if you're watching it on YouTube or on Instagram or whatever. Um, we'll come back to where we are in a moment, but there are some great cars in shot and some really great cars elsewhere. Before we get started, we just have to show our mugs, our TI. These days, yes. you and I are never more than a few feet away from a TI mug. We're very fond of these. Less said about the colour of your tea, the better. Now, with this podcast, we're going to discuss some of the interesting cars that we've been driving recently. There's yeah. some sort of high-end metal in there. Before we do that, though, yeah. we're going to talk about us. Okay, us. We've got some big news, right? And this. we're really excited about this. Um, we've been teasing our listeners and our uh, readers over on Instagram with uh, this new project that we've been working on. We've been teasing them for months about it. And I'm beginning to think that some people thought it would never happen. It was all just chat. We've already changed the name from Drive Nation to the Intercooler. That was just the start. And we can finally say today that we are launching an app, the Intercooler app. It's the world's first digital car magazine delivered as a subscription app. So a bit of a groundbreaker, I think. And we're properly excited about it. We are. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. It feels to us like we've been working on this for, for years. Um, and like, I guess, all things that have not been done before, you know, you kind of sit there thinking, I wonder if there's a reason for that. And maybe it's a crazy idea. But we actually think, don't we, that the idea of getting together... Um, a fantastic bunch of journalists. You know, the best, frankly, the best motoring journalists we can persuade to write for us. And as we'll get to in a minute, uh, it is a pretty impressive bunch. And then to put them into a format which people can access, not once a month or once a quarter or, or whenever, um, but wherever they are, whenever they are there, every single day, new stuff up there. You know, to, to us, that's an immensely appealing idea. Um, 
And the reason we are doing it, the reason we've decided to do it, is that the way the world is these days is that there is such an avalanche of stuff being launched all the time that the motoring media, be it a magazine uh, or a website, and I mean no criticism by this, it's just the way things are, but they just have to get through it. Mm. Um, It's a bit of a sausage machine. Review, review, review of everything that comes out. And the only problem with that, I guess, is what sometimes gets lost is the thing that made you and I want to be a motoring journalist in the first place, which is the story. Um, And so we're going to bring back the story, Mm. and we're going to get the best storytellers that we can find um, to help us do it. And so the idea is, as I said, it's the greatest motoring journalist writing the greatest stories we can give them to write in a format that um, you'll be able to access whenever you like, wherever you like. And, and we really, really hope, don't we, that that's going to be worth a few quid per month to people. Yeah, um, we hope it will. It's, it's not going to be enormously expensive, a few quid a month, and there'll be introductory offers and so on. I promise you, we will make it worth the money. The quality of the stories, the quality of the writers, the sort of convenience of the delivery. Yeah. We'll bring those things together, and it's going to be, I think, a really good product that's going to be worth every penny. Um, I mean, there are a few other bits and pieces that will be on there. There will be app-only podcasts with yeah. guests. Yeah. There will be app-only video. Yes. Um, however, we're going to carry on doing a weekly podcast for general release like this one. Yeah. Um, we will carry on publishing stuff on Instagram because those are our core audiences and we've worked hard to build those audiences and we're not going to abandon them now. No, I mean, we have 40-something thousand people now following us on Instagram and you know, we know, know the way the world works. I mean, we would love all 40-something thousand of them to come and give us their <laughs> money. <do>. But, <laughs> but, but, but of, clearly, an awful lot of them are not going to be in a position to do that. And you know, what we're not going to do is just say, well, you're not giving us any money, so you know, bye. Um, we're going to keep that presence going. But if you can, if you are able to give us a few quid a month there's just going to be so much more stuff yeah um so it's very much an as well as rather than an instead of but the as well as is going to be much bigger even than what we've been doing today yeah the, the app will be updated on a daily basis so it's going to be like a rolling news feed rather than weekly or monthly editions yeah um it's important to say that we're not just taking what we've been doing for the last two and a half years and sticking it behind a paywall Okay, everything that we've been doing is like a little teaser, a little appetizer for what will live in that app. Um, the app will, will carry all of our output in one place, yeah. in your pocket or yeah. on your iPad. You can also read it on a desktop computer. Um, and it's important to say as well that the app will not carry mm. traditional advertising, right? So there won't be display ads, there won't be pop-ups, there won't be irritating banners, no clickbait. No clickbait. None of that. I'm leaving if there is. Yeah, we're... Yeah. We're bringing, we're bringing back the quality. That yeah. is absolutely uh, top of our priority list is to deliver the best quality content yeah. that you can get out there. Proper stories. That's proper, what it's about. Proper stories. Um, and they're going to be delivered by proper writers, aren't yeah. they? So should we run through some of the names that some we've got yeah. working for us? Uh, you and I, okay, that might not be a draw. I don't know. <laughs> but along with you and I, and we're going to be writing plenty for it and yeah. doing our podcasts and video bits, um, We've also. I'm so excited to have Karen Chandock yeah. doing some stuff for us. He's such a good lad. He's a good lad. Yeah. He's a, a die-hard enthusiast, hopeless enthusiast like yeah. the rest of us. Yeah. He loves it. Um, Ex-Formula One driver, raced yeah. at Le Mans plenty of times. Great driver. We've watched some on, on board of him 
haven't we, at Goodwood. Yeah. And he's a phenomenally skillful driver, but he's, he's Sky F1's pundit, yeah. and he's incredibly insightful and he, interesting to listen to. Yeah. And I just can't wait to start reading his stuff. I mean, he has that balance, doesn't he? Because on the one hand, he's massively enthusiastic, but he's not in the least naive. He mm. understands the way the world works. And he provides those brilliant insights, but in an extremely sort of user-friendly kind of way. Um, and when I first spoke to him, um, and I, can't, I only got in touch with him because I thought, well, he's, he's only going to say no, so what have we lost? And the enthusiasm with which he, he seemed just really touched to be asked. Mm. Um, and even when I told him what the word rate was, that didn't phase him. So he, he's obviously in it for the love. And, um, yeah, I'm just, you know, just to have somebody like him um, who is such a good guy, such an enthusiast uh, working for us is, is just fantastic. Yeah. Okay, let's rattle through a few more. We've got Henry Catchpole. Yeah. He's going to do some stuff for us. Um, I know Henry well. I was at Evo with him for the best part of three years. He's a great lad. He's a really, really skillful writer. I think he's a, a very good storyteller. Um, and he's a, a handy driver as well. Loves rallying. That's his sport. That's his form of motorsport. Yeah. He's got a Mark II Escort rally car. Fair enough. Which is a measure of the man. I mean, yeah. we can all get along with someone who's got a Mark II Escort rally <laughs> yeah, as car. As long as they let us drive it. Yeah, well, there we go, Henry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so along with those two guys, uh, we've also got a couple of chaps from the previous generation, shall we yeah. say. Um, proper grandees of motoring journalism. Yeah. Uh, one of them is Mel Nichols. Yeah, so um, these two guys, Mel being one, are... We owe them everything. I mean, Mel was my mentor. Uh, Mel Nichols, I'm sure you all know him, but he used to be the editor of Car Magazine in the 70s and in the 80s. And he was one of a small group of people, almost all of them from Australia, funnily enough, um, who just turned motoring journalism absolutely on its head because he turned it from being a rather dour information reporting type business into something where there was passion and enthusiasm and stories. Mm. Um, and that's what I grew up on. Like, you know, frankly, it's guys like Mel um, who are the reason I was here today. A, when I joined Autocar in 1988, he literally taught me how to write um, a story. Um, but also, before that, he just switched me on to cars. Um, and he's still out there. He's still writing great stuff. He's going to be doing some fantastic stories for us, as is Peter Robinson. Now, Peter uh, is another one of what they call the Australian Mafia. He now lives in Sydney. Um, he was Autocar's European editor for years. Um, before that, he was the editor of Wheels magazine. He has the unique distinction of being the only person ever to be banned from Ferrari for life twice. Um, and he is, the people in the know just say that Peter is the world's greatest motoring journalist because his eye for the story, combined with his enthusiasm and the clarity with which he can communicate, um, just puts him in a breed apart i think so um yeah they, those are the two um more how can i put this veteran our grandfather figures yeah um <laughs> and as someone who literally wouldn't be here without them i i, I am touched and thrilled and on everything else you could think of to have just have the idea that these guys are going to be working with us the experience and the perspective that those two guys bring i mean it's immeasurable yeah and they can write stories for us that you you just couldn't replicate now for instance Mel is going to write a piece about meeting Enzo Ferrari. And I just can't wait to read it because, no. I mean, that's just going to be extraordinary, isn't it? Um, and so we've got those two guys. We've got Karen and we've got Henry. Yeah. Um, we've got some others as well. 
Colin Goodwin is going to be our agony uncle. Yes. He'll be reprising his Ask Goodwin Colin yes. from Autocar. Um, and that was always fun, wasn't it, that yeah. column? Yes. People sending in their questions and getting, yes. shall we say, unpredictable answers from Goodwin. Don't write in asking him what crossover hatchback come SUV you ought to be driving because he's probably not going to have a very sensible answer for you. But if you've just got something quirky and interesting <laughs> and fun, uh, he is absolutely your man. Um, it was, a, you know, Ask Goodwin is a fantastic thing. And I was very, very sad that it stopped. And I'm delighted that we are the people who are going to bring it back. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's really cool. We've also got Andrew English who's going to be doing some stuff for us. Yeah, I mean, Andrew English, um, you know, chief and latterly pretty much only um, car tester for the Daily Telegraph for years and years and years. There's n- there is no figure um, at the coalface of motoring journalism today who is more respected than, um, than Andrew. Um, car of the Year jury member, um, unbelievable knowledge, um, mm. but not just a dry industry voice. Um, you know, great bike racer, great car racer, um, really passionate about the old stuff, really knowledgeable about the new stuff. Um, you know, there's almost not a question you can ask, ask him which, to which he wouldn't have a really, really considered response. So, I mean, what a resource to have there as well. That is a lineup, isn't it? Yeah. That yeah. is a it's lineup. It's a proper lineup. Yes. And it's us. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's really strange that these guys want to, you know, hang out with us. But it's just. It's fantastic. It's great. Um, and there'll be others. We're also going to be championing young writers, yeah. the next generation. Yeah. How important is that? I mean, certainly to me, because, you know, other than guys like Mel, um, you know, there was no one in the broader industry who was doing anything for the young lads coming through. I don't know how difficult you found it. Um, but, you know, we are determined that if we do anything and we get anywhere with this product, we're going to do it and get there and help some youngsters on the way. Because, you know, apart from anything else, you know, I'm certainly not going to be doing this in, I don't know, 30, 40 years' time, and we need people who are. So, um, you know, I just want to do for young people what very few people did for my generation Mm. when I was coming through. So we've got a great roster of writers. Yeah. Um, We're throwing the emphasis back onto the story, right? The story. And that, I mean... We understand that it's it's important for some titles to be very focused on the new car launches. That's yeah. not what we're going to do. We will do the important ones. Yeah, definitely. We will, but our focus is going to be on great stories. Mm. Um, the point being, if you're going to spend some, we're all busy. If you're going to spend time reading about cars, you should read a great story about cars. Yeah, and that, that's what we're going to, going to try to do combined with the most modern and convenient delivery. Yeah. So that's what we think we've got that's new, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it'll cost a few quid a month. There will be offers. But as I've said, I promise we'll make, we'll make it more than worth your money. Um, it's going to be updated on a daily basis. There'll be app-only video, app-only podcasts. Um, it's it's going to be really cool, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's so exciting for me to be involved in something genuinely new something you know somebody who's only ever worked for clients as a freelancer which i have been um or as a staff member on a magazine to actually take something that is our idea um and just run with it and and see what happens and and you know maybe in six months time we'll look be looking back at this and thinking what on earth did we think we were doing but hopefully if it resonates with us and certainly everybody that we've spoken to about it in the business has been very kind and maybe they would be um but it, it seems that maybe we're on to something. Um, and I think that we can't be faulted, can we, with the quality of the people that we've got around us. And then I think it's just down to you and I to mm. 
be able to marshal this extraordinary resource that we now have and put it together in such a way that the output is something which is you know, as good as, if not better than, anything else that is out there with, the obviously, the added attraction of being so easily accessed and consumed. Our readers, ever since the start, really, of Drive Nation, almost three years ago, have been... That long, yeah. ...have been so generous yeah. with their, their praise, with their feedback, mm. criticism, uh, just engaging with us. Um, I think the name change to the intercooler went down really well. People were very kind again. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday who changed the name of a web-based product they had, and he said he endured months of hell really? as a result of it. Um, and, and we haven't. I mean, people have been pretty kind about it, haven't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I th- and I think that's one of the things we're definitely going to be taking forward to this new product um, is uh, that sense of community, mm. that sense oh, yeah. of family, the interaction between us, the people who do this, and everybody out there who does the, the reading of it. Um, it's never felt like you and me just, you know, preaching to whoever, you know, happens to be listening. It's always felt like an entirely interactive experience. And, you know, I, I would say that with Drive Nation or the Intercooler, it is now probably the most fun I've had with the whole thing is just looking through people's comments. Um, you know, and, and things like, you know, we've, had, we've done some great podcasts, haven't we, which have been based on ideas you yeah. and I haven't had. Yeah but which people have just sent in and said, oh, well, you know, really enjoyed your last podcast. Why don't you do one on such and such? And we've gone, well, we'll have that. Mm. Um, and, and that is absolutely what we plan to continue to do. Um, and we want to get these great names that we have somehow recruited um, involved with our readership. Um, and we will be equally, if not more, involved um, with them ourselves in the future. And we just want to build this family. Um, which sounds like a slightly sort of trite marketing type thing to say, but you know we mean it, don't we? Oh yeah. Um, we want it. We don't want it to be us and them. We want it to be all of us together, united in this, you know, in hopefully this fun but interesting um, thing that we are <laughs> trying to create. Yeah. Well, there we go. I, I'm so pleased to get it out there, tell yeah. everyone about it. Yeah. We're so excited, um, and we hope you'll come along with us and subscribe. The app is available now to download. Um, you can find out more at theintercooler.co.uk or just head straight to the App Store and search The Intercooler. Whether you're Google or Apple, you'll find it on there. Download the app. You can do a free trial before uh, paying to subscribe. Um, I promise you we will make it worth your money. Um, let's leave that there. That's okay. our news. Okay, yeah. that's out the way. Let's just quickly address where we are. We're at a friend's car collection. Yes. Um, well, don't call it a collection. He doesn't like it being called a collection. What did he prefer? I think I got him to accept accumulation. He didn't, oh, like, yeah. he didn't like build up either, did he? No, he didn't like build up, <laughs> no. Um, it's, it's just a, a good spot for us to shoot this video, tell people um, about what we've got coming up with the intercooler. Uh, but it also sort of says a little bit about the, the stuff we're going to be writing about, I suppose. I mean, we've got this gorgeous 356 behind us, a couple of very special RS 911s behind um, the rest of the collection is pretty sensational, and we are going to shoot a separate video of you and I wandering ar- around uh, all the garages, poking around his cars, yeah. um, and that will live on the app. So if you want to watch that, you'll have to download the app. Um, but it's, it's a pretty phenomenal collection, isn't it? And the most phenomenal thing is, apparently, when the weather's a bit better than it is today, we can go out and drive some of them too. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, um, and uh, to be fair, that is another great resource, isn't it? Because we can produce some really cool stories and perhaps videos and podcasts yeah. for the app um, based on some of the cars around here. 
Um, okay, well, let's talk about cars. Yes. Uh, that is going to be That's the, what we're here for. Yeah, the meat cars. of this podcast. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about some of the cars that we've been driving recently. Now, you and I have turned up in a couple of quite interesting cars. Yeah. And as a, as a two-car garage, it, it looks pretty great, doesn't it? Sadly, our cars are... They sort of pale into insignificance compared to some of the stuff around here. Even yeah, so... Even so. If you've got £100,000 to spend in a two-car garage, I think you're going to struggle to beat what we've turned up in. Yeah, so you've rocked up in a Defender 90, a new one. Yeah. Looks great yeah. on those white wheels. Steel, they're probably not actually steelies. No, they are. are. They are steelies. They are, yeah. They really are. White steelies. Yeah. Little truncated thing, isn't it? Because it's a 90, so it looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, I've got my car. My Alpine, which apparently I mentioned too much. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. Um, as a two-car garage, that is pretty cool. I think you might cars. have to have a long Defender because you actually haven't got a practical. You haven't actually got a car with a boot in that. Well, the other, the other issue is there's no manual gearbox there. Ooh. So yeah. it might Shocking. be that the Alpine has to go, or you need a third car, and I think it has to be, I think an old 911 to go with those three. Old yeah. 911 manual box, normally aspirated motor. Yeah. It sits in the shed. Uh, you use the Defender or the Alpine day-to-day. That, that would do me. Okay, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, um, on the old 911 theme. Yeah. Last week, um, there's a bloke in Chepstow um, who valets cars, so he lives quite near to me. Yeah, uh, and he's an old mate, and he knows how it's... TI-22 yeah. is his company. Um, and yeah, James Walker. James Walker, good lad, exactly. Yeah. Um, really good lad, and... I took our family golf down there because our children had left home and they don't live in it anymore. And, and we just wanted, frankly, the interior to be clean. So I, so I took the golf to him. And one of the great things about taking a car to James is you never know what you're going to go home in. And I went home in his late 996 Carrera 2 Oh, that's where it came from. Coupe. Mm. Yeah. Um, so this is a, what is it? It's 2002, I think. Um, 996 Carrera 2 Coupe so a 3.6 litre engine uh, it's done all the miles it's done like 117,000 miles and I got in it and you know, the first thing I I realised I'd forgotten about that car, those cars is that they're quick mm. it feels like a 315 horsepower but it doesn't weigh anything you know, there's not a GT3 in the world that's ever been built that's lighter than an absolutely standard C2 Mm. Um, 996 they're really really light cars and so that 315 horsepower goes a long way and it's just got that feel it feels like a 911 and I mention this now because the 996 is quite easily the most derided of all 911 yeah. generations isn't it um, and you know we kind of look at them and think oh that's the 911 you get if you can't really afford a proper 911 but you know I just had to completely reevaluate the way I, I look at those cars because what I realized is that those late cars and yes we know about the engine issues and yes of course you've got to get yourself a good one or one that's had the mods done to it and that is you know absolutely key and core but it's absolutely a proper 911 it absolutely deserves to be thought of as such mm. um, it was a really really terrific thing to drive and you know james says that you can buy that car all day and all night for seventeen thousand pounds it's not bad is it no it isn't really and he said he's had he's the, he's had the bore scopes done and everything else and he's he says the engine on that car is car is absolutely mustard mm. um you know if you think what modern car you could buy for seventeen thousand pounds so yeah i think we've got to have one of those haven't we? we've got to have a 911 in there oh yeah well what about the the 996 here, the RS. Yeah. Are you familiar with those cars? Funnily enough. <laughs> <Are they laughs> yeah, good? I mean, actually, actually, that that 996 RS is 
the most hardcore in some respects of all the GT3s. Yeah, I mean, if, if you went and drove it, I mean, they are, wow, they are uncom- uncompromising. They are so stiff. I mean, they are tracked. They are proper track. I mean, they right. are the most track-focused of all those cars. I mean, obviously, it won't have anything like the power of the more recent cars, but it's a really, really full-on racetrack refugee. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I love that. I mean, challenging on a public road, particularly a British public road, a bumpy one. Yeah. Um, yeah. but fabulous on the track and so I mean such a different order to the you know the original 1999 was it GT3 mm. the first one yeah that's yeah. right yeah and just because it's here we yeah. have to talk about the black car oh, which God. is I mean for most people who care about these things that is the Porsche motorsport car isn't it the last Me- Mezger engined yeah. 911 yeah. Um, GT3 RS 4 litre yeah. the 997 yeah. never driven one how special are they? Well, okay, but what you have driven is yeah. you've driven the 3.8. Yes. Okay. So it's like that, but a bit more. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it is it's very easy, isn't it, to um, turn these things into fables. I mean, a four-litre, I mean, I've always said that, you know, if I could just have one 911, it would be a 3.8 Gen 2 997 GT3 RS. Um, Almost because the four liters are so far out of sight, that's not even yeah, on yeah. my. It's not even on my radar. But of course, it would be the four liter because it's. It, but it is like the three point eight. But it's just got, just it's got more mid range. So it's just you know you just have all that fun with more power and it's more accessible too. Mm. And there's also the fact that you know it's a very rare and special car too. So it's it's pro, it's arguably it's on a very very short list of candidates for the greatest nine eleven. Ever and because the greatest because the 911 is itself the greatest sports car ever. Well, you know it's certainly up there on that list too. Well, as ever, we've been distracted by really exciting older cars when we said we'd talk about the newer stuff. So let me just give us a couple of minutes on that Defender 90 that you've got. Okay, I know I know you like you like the new Defender, don't you? You're you're sort of into yeah. The into 90 it. really is the Defender you shouldn't buy. Why is that? Don't buy a night. Has it got any space in the back? Is it hopeless or is oh, it? No, no, the rear is fine. The rear is the same. I think the rear package is the same as a 110. You just lose the boot. It just doesn't right. have a boot. Right. Um, so, so you lose your boot. So all your practicality goes out the window. Um, it's not as if you say, I think it's like 65 kilos. Um, really? Lighter. So there's, there's really no, given that the car weighs 2.3 tonnes, there's really no significant weight. So it's not even that much cheaper. I think it's like 1,800 quid cheaper. So all the... Every bit of logic <laughs> and common sense in your head says this is not the one. To, oh, and, and obviously, it's just ten times more difficult to get in and out the back and yeah. sticking your luggage. But it's, it's just a, it's just a. But, <laughs> but it's just so cool. Yeah. You know, I don't like SUVs. I'm not really an SUV kind of guy. Um, and I've just been knocking about in this thing um, for a week, and it's going tomorrow. Am I going to be sad? Mm. I'm going to have to go and beg them to have it back because what is so good about it is is it does all that cool stuff, and it's the thing that you just feel really, really good about being in. Um, and that's got the big three-litre diesel in it, so it just sort of rolls along. Um, but it is sufficiently quiet and comfortable and connected. I know these things are really, really boring, but if you do... I mean, this morning, I got up really, really early because, you know, we are not very close to where I live, you know, a big distance away. Um, and, you know, the idea of a car like a Defender is all very well, but if it doesn't actually do the job, if you can't just sit on the M4 for a couple of hours... Um, you know, or if you do and you get out the other end wishing you'd never yeah. got out of bed, then the car has failed. Mm. But it does all that. It mm. rides well enough, it's comfortable enough, it's connected enough, and then you get 
everything else. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, there is no rational, logical thought process behind it, but it's just, I just love it. Mm. I think it looks cool. And I do think it looks better than the 110. I don't know why. It does, it definitely does. It's got, it's got that Tonka toy. Yeah, it has. It, hasn't it? I, yeah, when I was following you in earlier, I just thought it looked fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I've only driven the the new Defender a little bit actually, but I think it's fantastic. And yeah, I do wish my other half was into them as well because then maybe we could complete that dream two car garage. But she just doesn't like them sadly. Mm. Um, okay, well let's talk about some other cars. We need to discuss the new BMW M3 competition. Okay, it's not often a new M3 comes along. No. Um, we've given it a seven out of ten, yeah. which. By any measure, that's a disappointing score for an M3. For an M3. Yeah. Yeah, for a normal car, it'd be fine. Mm. But a new M3 comes along, and it should be fantastic. It should, we, it, should be, it should be a solid 9. We should be wondering if it's a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, but we've both driven this one. Yeah. We agree. It's, 7 out of 10 is fair. Um, I mean, to be fair, I mean, our 7 out of 10 is probably 8, eight out of 10 for anybody else, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, or 4 out of 5. Um, we always mark harder um, than anybody else. But you do wonder. I drove it, and I actually I came out of it thinking that this isn't a bad car. It's certainly not a bad car. I think that this is actually quite a good car, but a good car for somebody else, mm. not a car for me. I think it's a good car if you buy, if you want a car that is really fast. Um, let's not get into the whole uh, looks argument because you know that's been done to death but you know, certainly a car that has an awful lot of presence will clear you know a lane faster than anything this side of an Aventador um, and has got you know all the bells and all the gadgets all the funny screens all the um, programming of your engine mapping your suspension mapping your gearbox mapping your steering map, and all that you know and it does all that um, and I think that there is quite a big constituency of people who are really really into, into that sort of stuff and it's not the car's fault that we're not among them mm. what we see is a car that is taller longer wider heavy 130 kilograms heavier than the last one um we see a car that has lost even the option of a manual gearbox um and has lost also the double clutch gearbox in the last car and gained the same eight-speed automatic kind of gearbox that you get in a seven-series limousine. Mm. And, you know, I can see lots of financial sense in that for BMW. I can see no dynamic sense in that for a person who just loves driving. Nice. Um, and so that's where the disappointment comes from. Mm. Uh, its ride is quite firm. I suspect in Europe, actually, it would be probably just about good enough. Um, the engine is certainly very strong. I think you thought it was slightly less characterful than, than the last one. Um, I actually didn't mind that because I thought it was a bit more um, refined. I admire the way that they have kept the turbo lag out of it and the throttle response is still quite sharp. Um, but I just found myself thinking, is this car better in the ways that are important to me about how an M3 should be better than its predecessor? And time after time, the answer just came back, no, it's not. Mm. And it's also, the other thing, it's a lot of money now. It's a lot of money. So I drove an M3, um, which is the cheaper of the two. There's obviously still the M4 Coupe, and it's £73,700. Now, the last M3 competition, when it went on sale in 2016, I think, I think it was 56. Yeah. Yeah? Now, you know, inflation hasn't done much since then. So that's a 
that's a big stack of price. Yeah. And they'll go, oh, yeah, but of course it's got another 60 horsepower. It does. But it's got another 130 kilograms. They're not to 62 times. They're separated by one-tenth of a second. Yeah. So it's not as if you're even buying an enormous amount of additional performance. That extra power, all it's really doing is offsetting the weight gain to get you back to where you were when you started. So <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good car for somebody else. There is a sense that BMW M is... Or that it has designed and developed that car for somebody other than uh, the hopeless diehard car enthusiast. Yeah, because there aren't many of us. It's, it's probably true. It's yeah, probably and true. you can't blame BMW for designing a car its customers want. Yeah. It's just not us. It's just not us. Um, so, I, I mean, we have to just address that we only get the M3 competition in the UK, yeah. which, um, which is why there's no manual option. The, the basic Correct. car that other markets have is available with a manual box. Yeah, and, B- and I asked BMW this question, and they said the reason that there's not a manual gearbox, um, is that the uptake by the end of the previous generation was half of 1% of sales. <laughs> and again, so you can you completely understand their position. You know, why are they going to go to that when they're not going to sell any cars? The only people who want manual M3s want them when, when the car is you know 10 years old and a quarter of the price, mm. which is great then, but it doesn't help BMW now. Yeah. Um, and that automatic gearbox, I mean... <sighs> You do, you do lose something compared to a DCT. 100%. It's not just shift speed either. No. It's not just shift speed. No, the, the shifts are slower, but there's, there's a character, there's a hard-edged nature to a really good DCT gearbox. It's excitement you're leaving. Yeah. When, when, you know, when you're going boom, 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 like yeah. that, yeah. it's all gone. It's boom. It's slushy, isn't well, it? I found myself, when I was up-changing, um, just hitting the rev limiter because of the, the delay between me issuing the instruction and the yeah. engine reacting. And yeah. I just find myself going... And yeah, but you know, maybe normal people don't drive those cars that way. I don't know. Um, you mentioned the ride. For me, it's too firm. Um, I, I, yeah, I, perhaps, a bit. I'm, perhaps I'm getting old, but I, I now just really appreciate cars that have a supple, fluid ride yeah. because it can still handle well. Yeah. If it, with that, that, that suppleness, it can still handle well. Yeah. Um, I think the, the tension in the new M3's ride, particularly at low speed, probably around town, I think it would wear thin for me. Mm. Um, I think it would wind me up. Um, and I, I'm sure lots of other people would feel the same way as well. Um, it, there is a flip side to it in terms of agility and precision. I, it's, it's so hunkered down, that yeah. car. It feels it's really a planted. It's stable planted. platform. Yeah. It really is planted. Yeah. The previous M3 and M4, I ran one for six months in M4. They could be quite frightening cars, actually. They had a wild side. Yeah. Traction issues... Um, I found that there were sort of body control issues over undulating roads. And I had a few frightening moments in those cars. Never, never a problem, never binned one or anything, but yeah. got my heartbeat going at times. Yeah. And this one is much more composed, much more a, together. A very impressive traction. Yeah, good traction. Yeah, given there's a lot of torque um, going through the rear wheels alone. Um, but of course, um, later this year, four-wheel drive. And the touring. The touring probably won't get to the UK until the end of 2022. Mm. Um, so don't hold your breath waiting for that. Um, and again, it just says to me that they're building these cars for, you know, I have absolutely no desire to have a four-wheel drive M3 over a two-wheel drive M3 because there is nothing those additional drive shafts are going to do for that car, which is of interest to me. Mm. Um, all it's going to do is make an already heavy car heavier mm it's going to provide even more traction when the car itself, as you said, is actually has extremely good traction already. 
Um, and again, it speaks to this narrative, doesn't it, that they're designing these cars for probably a much larger number of people than the sort of very traditional uh, M3 enthusiast. When you and I think of M3s, we think of E30s and we think of E46s and, you know, we're dinosaurs. Those cars are gone. I don't think somebody today seriously thinking about buying a new M3 or M4 comp is sitting there thinking, I wonder if it's going to be as good as a, as a really nicely sorted E46. That's, that's not going to be a thought process no. they're going to have. And no. I think you, you and I sit here and we're quite critical of that car. And I understand why that is, and I would defend every word of it. But I think at the same time, we have to acknowledge that those comments say as much about us as it does about the car. Yeah, I did a twin test video, new M3 versus the Alpha Julia Quadrifoglio. I know you're a bit cooler on that car than I am. On the Julia, yeah. 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 I think it's fantastic. I love the, the supple chassis. Um, and I concluded that for me, the Alpha is the more, in, more enjoyable car. However, I can just see that most people, the vast majority of people, even a good number of car enthusiasts would, would be seduced by the M4, because, sorry, the M3, because there's a presence about it. Yeah. And if you compare the Alpha's cabin to the BMW's cabin, yeah. there's just no contest no, it's whatsoever. It's got a really good cabin, the BMW. Yeah, it has. Mm. And the M3, it's a kind of it car. We're discussing it now. It's, it's maybe not for all the right reasons, but it's so discussed. And I think yeah. a lot of people who are in the market for that sort of car just love the idea of an it car. Yeah. And but it's also the other thing I think that people love is... Just that, just that, whatever you call it, name, M3. Oh, what do you drive? Such appeal. M3. Yeah. And then instantly, um, that says something about you, doesn't it? Mm. I drive an M3. And that confirms uh, credibility, authenticity, uh, excitement, whatever upon you. Um, and actually, of course, the, the only reason it does that is all the stuff that we've been talking about, about the way that M3s used to be, about, you know, the M3 sprang as a homologation special back in the mid-1980s. And in successive generations, they have built this entire thing into a sub-brand, which today, because of that, has that power. Yeah. And people just want to be able to say, when asked what they drive, just say, M3. M3. And people know what that means. And that's what it is, rather than, you know, Julia Quadrifoglio. Yeah, oh, what's that then? <laughs> Yeah, you're right. That brand power, that brand appeal is hard to argue with, actually. Um, However, we know there will be a touring four-wheel drive version. Do you think a four-wheel drive touring M3, given that even if you take the lighter DIN weight rather than the EU weight, Mm. the car weighs 1,730 kilograms now, do you think that once you've stuck an estate body and four-wheel drive on it, we're going to see a two-ton M3. It's very possible, isn't it? It's going to be close. Imagine hearing that in 1986 when the original was new. One it's day, wrong. this thing it's, will weigh two tons. They mu- oh, I don't know. <laughs> who is that good for? It's not good for the driver. It's not good for the environment. Who, who is that actually working for? A two-ton M3. <laughs> Astonishing, isn't it? Okay, but they haven't done it yet. I'm not saying that they will, but it's, it's not going to be far off. Yeah. Okay, let's leave the M3 there. Yes. Golf R, I th- you've got one coming soon. Haven't I haven't you? driven it, yeah. I haven't driven it yet. I've I was, had a good go in it. I was disappointed by the GTI, as I think yeah. we spoke about on a previous mm. um, podcast. But you're a fan of the R, aren't you? I do like the R, yeah. yeah I think it's good. Um, I ran a previous Golf R, uh, which I thought was a fantastic car. Yeah, it was. Uh, so I got to know, I had it for a year, that car. I must wow. have done 15,000 miles or something in yeah. it. And I thought it was brilliant as an all-rounder. Yes. Not the most engaging, most rewarding hot hatch, but that's not really the point of that car. But they always did enough of that, But always they? great to drive, yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, this new one, it does lose a little bit. I don't think it looks quite as good. Mm. The previous one was subtle, and it looked fantastic because of it. Yeah. Um, 
this new one, it doesn't quite have the 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 clarity in the steering mm. that I appreciated in the old one. And I there is a sense that it just feels a bit heavier and maybe a little bit lazier, I don't know, but there's still a lot to like. Um, I think you need the adaptive dampers, and I'm pretty sure they're optional on that car. But nowadays, in a, a fast goal for the adaptive dampers, you get this amazing 15-point uh, setting yeah. thing where you can just choose your, your damper mode, one of 15 points, which is 10 more than you need, probably 12 more than you need. Yeah. But it's, it's just fun to sort of flick between them. In the softest mode, it's very, very supple. Yeah. Actually, too too lazy for driving quickly. See, that's very interesting. Yeah. Because the GTI isn't like that. One of my problems with it, and you've got the same system in the GTI, is that I found that if you had on anything more than about 3 out of 15, it was just too firm for British roads. Really? And my problem with the GTI um, was that that thing you were talking about, about it just being so easy to live with. Mm. That, and that's, you know, back in the 1970s, that's what defined the Golf GTI. It was always the car that didn't need to be the hardest edged, most super sporting one because actually it was always the one that even if it wasn't quite the best to drive, it was always really good to drive and it was always the easiest mm. yeah. to live with. And my problem with the GTI, the current Golf GTI, is that it appears to have sacrificed that thing which made a Golf GTI so desirable and unique. Um, and just tried to be a bit more me too and just tried to sort of go after you know the focus st or the civic type mm. r um by being more hard-edged and hardcore as a result of which you know you've got 15 damper settings but you're only actually going to use the first three but from what you are saying the golf r is actually a bit more broadly defined and it still does that um you know relaxed easy laid back comfortable thing that all good fast golfs have done as far as I can tell, having, having spent a day in it on yeah. a variety of roads, I was struck by how supple and fluid the ride felt yeah. in certain damper modes. Um, the new model also has a much cleverer, four, cleverer excuse me, four-wheel drive system um, with a torque vectoring diff in the rear axle. So now, when you're driving away from the corner, you feel it pushing, driving from the outside rear yeah. corner rather than scrabbling away at the front. Um, and it's, it's just a, a slightly more agile and adjustable thing generally so it is a bit more engaging to drive oh, i'm really excited time. to see it. i think i think i've got got one coming in in about a week so well we'll have to have another conversation once you've driven it you might you might disagree entirely and then I we'll may. go from there but um i think it's a good thing okay the last car that i want to talk about in this podcast is the ferrari 812 gts oh yes because yeah finally i've driven a v12 ferrari and i bet it was a crushing disappointment wasn't it not at all <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow, that, that engine. What a motor. It's so special. It's been WLTP'd now, and it's got a particulate filter on it. But it, it's still a gorgeous thing. Mm. Um, a V12, a high-revving V12, big capacity, it's got to be the sweetest type of engine, isn't it? It's just yeah. Yeah. It, the way they haul, uh, yeah. the, and it explodes at the top end. It, I was actually surprised by how loud it wasn't, because... Uh, you know, it's got 800 horsepower, that thing. It's a big old six and a half litre engine. I know this is a GTS, so it's not a GTO or a TDF. Yeah. So it's not uncorked. No. Um, but even so, it, it's not obnoxiously loud, particularly no. from inside the cabin. But it's, it's tuneful. It's musical. Yeah. So it sounds great, just not loud, which is fantastic. 
Now, you haven't driven the 812 Coupe. No. Um, but that GTS, which I did have a, a very brief drive in um, a while back now, um, it's, that, it's in that very, very small and strange category of car where, for some reason, the convertible's actually better than the coupe. Mm. And we always say the moment you take the roof off every, anything, you lose structural rigidity, you gain weight, and the car gets worse as a result. And, and, and as a principle, as a theory, that's unarguable. But it was... It has so much charm, that car. Mm. I just love being in it. And I didn't need to be driving it, you know, like my trousers were on fire. Just to be in that car with the roof down, wafting about, not going, oh, look at me. Just just being in it. It was yeah. such a a sweet thing. And didn't you also feel there was something of the end of an era about it? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, We're not going to have these howling, normally aspirated V12s. No, naturally not. aspirated. We did a poll on Twitter, didn't we? We were asking oh, naturally, naturally aspirated. aspirated. Yes, you see, I'm, I do that. I do that. I say normally aspirated all the time, and I shouldn't, because all if I think it. about it, yeah. it absolutely should be naturally aspirated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, we're going to have to... Yes. Catchy. Uh, Should we start calling turbocharged cars abnormally, abnormally aspirated? aspirated. Yeah. But, but they are normal now, aren't they? We're well, they are the norm ourselves. now, aren't they? Yes. Okay. Unnaturally aspirated. There you go. <laughs> 812 GTS, then. Did you fit your tool, your 6.4 or something? Okay. I don't remember not fitting. Mm. Uh, it's not like a, an R8 cab. Mm. Well, you really didn't fit. Which I really didn't fit. Um, you know, I didn't do a massive mileage in it. I didn't sort of drive to Scotland or even up through Wales or anything. Um, you know, I had the car for a few hours in the morning. Um, and I, it's possible I was too busy soaking up the, the sights and the sounds <laughs> and everything else to care. But I don't remember not fitting. Um, and I am, well, I'm sort of six foot three on a good day and you're six foot? Six foot, yeah. And did you struggle at all? No, I didn't struggle. But I thought if I was much taller, I might not be comfortable okay. here. My legs felt a bit cramped. Um, head of rail seemed very close yeah um, but no I mean a wonderful experience to drive that thing I really did love it um, well let's leave that episode of the podcast well, happy there. Nose. and it will always be the episode where we announced the intercooler app yeah um, hopefully you guys are as excited as we are about that and you can now go and down- download it so please do yeah. that um, Go and have a look, yeah. um, see what you think, and you know if you don't like it, you can you, you, you can stop. But we, we what we really hope and think and believe is that if you come to us, you'll stay, and that will obviously be entirely your choice. But um, we couldn't have tried harder. Mm. I don't think that really we could have got a better bunch of people together to be doing it with. I am incredibly excited as a sort of freelancer who has spent most of his life, you know, working pretty much on your own to be back part of a team of people of that quality, that calibre, um, I just find immensely excited. I feel completely regalvanized, mm. and I just cannot wait to get on with it. Great stuff. Um, and as far as the podcast goes, we'll be here again next week. No, we won't be here. We're not going to be here, here next here. week, sadly. No, we'll but probably we, be back on a Zoom call next week. Back on a Zoom call next week, sadly. Um, but we're going to keep putting these out for yeah. everyone to listen to week after yeah. week. So. Yeah. Make sure um, you come back next time. And thank you all for watching. Thank you. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.